watch this week's Sports Zone on Salford City Radio. I'm Rob Paxson, and we're here talking all things sport in Salford and beyond. Joining me on the show, as ever, we've got Paul Whiteside from The Devil in Detail. Paul, Happy New Year, and uh, looking forward to talking all things sport in Salford. Yeah, Happy New Year, Rob. It's um, since a while since I've spoken to you. Yeah, all the best for uh, 2022, and we've just been speaking off-air, haven't we, about what we've got on. It's going to be another action-packed show and another action-packed year for uh, local sport in Salford. Lots to go at uh, on the show this week, Paul. And what we'll do, we'll start with the boxing. And there's some huge fights coming up domestically in the next few months. Let's have a close look at a few. We'll start with Chris Eubank, uh, Jr. v. Liam Williams. Two fantastic boxers. Break it down for me. Yeah, well, this one got postponed, didn't it, for due to an injury uh, a while ago and uh, should have took place, I think. Was it the end of uh, back end of December? So yeah, this is going to be a real good fight. It's a real good grudge match between the two of them. It's a domestic dust up, you know, between an Englishman and a Welshman, and and both fighters, you know, have put it on record. They don't seem to like each other, so that always adds a bit of spice uh, to things as well. But but the the sort of Celtic influence of Liam Williams, the Welshman, and and the English one as well. I mean, that always gets blood uh, stirring, doesn't? It? Because you know, when it comes to whatever sport, it's rugby, football, or even cricket these days, England against Wales. Is, is a rival, isn't it? So that should be a, a, a cracking fight. There, it really should. And you know, looking at the odds, I think you know maybe Eubank just slight favourite, but Liam Williams is a classy operator and uh, you know has challenged for world titles as well. So I think he's probably the, the slightly more experienced of the two, but. I can't split those two. I think it'd be a fascinating encounter. An awful lot of uh, passion's going to be involved in it. And I think it'd be the guy who holds his head, I think, and just keeps his head and doesn't let the emotion of the occasion get to him that that, that takes the win in that one. So really looking forward to watching that. Chris Eubank Jr. is the son of Chris Eubank, Paul. And does that add a bit of pressure uh, on him? I think over the last couple of years, I'm not saying he's distanced himself from his dad, um, but he does seem to have gone a different way. You know, you don't see his dad as, as much in his training camps and things like that. I think Chris Eubank Jr. has, 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 has done his best to um, to sort of make his, his, his way in boxing you know, over his own name. And I think you've got to say he has done that now. Um, you know, a lot of people at the start say, oh, you, you, you're trading on your, your father's name. There's a few boxers like that. You've got to look at Ricky Atkinson at the moment. He's making his way. And I think you've got to do that. You can't live on... The, you know the the name of your family. You've got to make it yourself. And Chris Eubank Jr. He's got a lot to to live up to there with a daddy who's as good as his, his father. So yeah, I think he's done really well. He's been in some absolute wars domestically as well. He's he's pushing sort of the other side of thirty now. So if he's to to make a mark at world level. I'd say he's going to do it sooner rather than later. So this is a crossroads fight for him. We say that a lot about the fights we chat about on here, but this one against Liam Williams could open the gate to, to well, will open the gate to world titles for whoever wins this fight. So it's, it's a massive one. It's a massive fight for both fighters and uh, going to be a real intriguing encounter. And I think it's going to be one of those that's going to be a real bloodbath. And I can see it going, you know, quite a long way. Both have got terrific engines. Liam Williams, you know, the machine that he's called, he's terrific engine, terrific fighter. And, and Eubank's the same. He's explosive. And it's going to be a great fight. It's one of those that I can't wait to see. And there's a, there's a couple of other fights we've got on the list that we're going to speak about who, who can be put in the same bracket. Yeah. Obviously, like I say, Liam Williams, season pro, 27 fights, 23 wins, three losses in his career, Paul. So he, he has been around. He knows how to win a fight. He certainly does, yeah. And you don't get that nickname the machine for, for, for nothing. He's... He's gone the distance many, many a time, and you're very, very tough, very, very tough fighter. And you know you've only got to listen to him in his press conference and his interviews. Now he's not scared of anybody, and um, he won't be worried about Chris Eubank. You know Chris Eubank comes with the the flashy clothes, doesn't he? And uh, you know the 
the, the coolness of him and, and what have you. But Liam Williams is a bit more rough and ready, and and, and that, that's that's great for the, the fans, you know, the, to have the two styles there of, of two fighters that that really gel. And and, and I've said it before, you know, it, it's great when you've got that. I'm not saying hatred, but that sort of animosity between two fighters. I, mean, I won't say anybody hates anybody, but they, they do, there's a dislike for each other, and that adds spice to the occasion, adds spice to the press conferences and the, and the way, and I'm sure will be absolutely terrific. And then when you get down to, to fight night, it's going to be a great night, uh, packed arena as well. And um, yeah, uh, I can't split them. I'm not a betting man really anymore, so uh, it's going to be a tough one to uh, to uh, you know predict that one. How much does boxing need that? Um, that sort of hatred kind of atmosphere in sort of the build-up to fights. Do you think it sells tickets and, and subscriptions? It can do, but then it can work the other way because we, we've seen fighters before who, who've shown off a lot of respect for each other. I, can, I think of our own, very own Anthony Crawler. I don't think I've ever seen Anthony say a bad word about anybody. And yet he, he sold out arenas. He sold out the Manchester Evening News Arena on a number of occasions. And he didn't have a, have a bad bone in his body, really, Anthony. And I can remember his fight with Jorge Linares. They were both had fantastic respect for each other. They were they were great mates before the fight and after the fight. So yeah, it can it can work both ways. Go back a few years before that, we had the George Groves and um, and Carl Frapch encounters. Two fantastic fights there. Two blokes that didn't like each other, and that sold the reason. I think at the end of the day, it adds to it. It definitely adds to to the occasion, but. I don't think it sells fights. I think people go to see the fighter um, and see the bill. I mean, we'll speak about Kel Brook and, and Amir Khan, won't we, shortly? Their fights, um, I think it's February now, it's been put back to, and that's another one. You know, Sheffield against Manchester there, two guys that don't like each other that perhaps should have fought maybe 10 years or so ago now, but they're the meeting now at this stage of their careers. But that's going to be another one. That's sold out. The Manchester Evening News Arena, I think, I think nobody's called that anymore, is it? But the Manchester Arena was sold out within minutes for that so the, the the hunger is there for for the fans that they love these domestic dust-ups and, and i'm the same you can't be a, a good domestic fight i mean we all like the the world fights don't we watching sort of deontay wilder and and the tyson furies and the, these big fights that sell out you know in america but you can't beat these domestic dust-ups in like nottingham and manchester and liverpool i think they're the great nights let's talk about the the next fight on on the list paul uh, josh taylor v jack Catterall for the undisputed world super lightweight title. Uh, sounds like it'll be one hell of a contest. Well, yeah, there's there's no doubt that, that Taylor's the favourite. You know, the the Titan Tornado, as they call him, has has uh, been one of the best fighters in this country for for a while now, and he, he's cleaned up. He really has cleaned up, and, and Jack Catterall is is probably a big outsider in the in this fight, but he's earned his shot. You know he, he's gone up the rankings and he's he's in line to to take the shot at Taylor. And again, it's another another big fight. This one was postponed for an injury as well, so this is like the second date for this one. And you know to be fighting up in in Scotland there in the arena up there, it's going to be a fantastic night there for Taylor. We've seen some great nights in sort of Glasgow. Ricky Burns, you know, under the lights there, and you know it, it's going to be the same for Taylor. He's 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 going back there now. There's not been a lot of fighting, has there? Not been a lot of fight nights over the last few years due to the the situation with with, with COVID and things like that. So the the Scottish fans are going to be right behind him. But you know, Jack Catterall's a local lad to us uh, in this area, and he's going to go there with an awful lot of confidence. You know, you, you're going there for the belts to be the undisputed champion of the world. So uh, this is another great fight, and it just shows you how far we've come as a country over the last decade or two. We've We've got world title fights now between between you know you know homegrown stars. So um, yeah, I think that's great for the sport to have a, a world title on the line between between two British fighters. Yeah, looking at 
Josh Taylor's record, Paul. 18 fights, 18 wins, 13 by knockout, one gold in the Commonwealth Games in Glasgow 2014. So he knows how to win a fight. It's going to be fascinating to see what happens here. He is. Cattrall, as I said before, is going to be the rank outsider for it, but because Taylor such a was such a well-schooled amateur as well, like he said, you know, winning the uh, winning um, a lot of amateur fights and having a great pedigree there. So uh, he's brought that, you know, from the amateurs into the professional game, and you know, his record there, thirteen knockouts and eighteen fights. You know, at that sort of level that he's fighting at, he's not an heavyweight. It's it's a great sort of uh, knockout punch to have, you know, the, the power that he possesses for that weight. So that's going to be something Cattrall's going to have to be aware of. Cattrall's a slippery customer, though, and I'm sure he's going to give uh, Taylor an awful lot of problems. And uh, and this one could be a real shootout. It really could. You've got two blokes there who can who can definitely bang. You know, packed, a packed house again. This is going to be another amazing fight, another, um, another real cracking atmosphere as well, and another one I can't wait to see. Yeah, looking at... Uh, Catrol's record, 26 fights, 26 wins, 13 by uh, knockout, no losses in his career so far, Paul. So it's it's certainly two big fighters in the boxing game coming together uh, and there's only going to be uh, sort of one way this fight's going to go and it's going to go up because we're all excited about it. Definitely, yeah. I mean, Catrol's got a good record. He's fought some good, uh, good fighters on that record. And, you know, Taylor's only had 18 fights, but... His his career has been one of those that's gone from strength to strength. He's he's fought a few people and then and then shot up the rankings and and, and gone through people and, and won that convincingly and that well. That's what propelled him onto the world stage. So he's not hung about hung around at all, you know, to get up to that level. So yeah, this is going to be a, be a terrific fight. And I know it got postponed, but I think once it gets underway, it's going to be definitely one to watch. And uh, you know, it could be a fight of the year contender. This one, it's it's going to be a bell. I'd probably just there for for Josh Taylor in front of his own crowd. I think he's going to be very difficult to beat, but I wouldn't underestimate Catrol whatsoever. I think he's going to be well and truly tuned in for this one. He'll, he'll have been training his backside off, so it's going to be a great fight. Uh, the other fact we're going to talk about is Ame Khan v Kelbrook. Uh, you know, two fantastic fighters uh, through their careers, Paul. It's uh, coming together with two great uh, athletes and fighters. That's right, yeah. I mean, over the last few years, a few people have sort of said Kel Brook's finished. He's, he's just that and he's looked a bit washed out. I mean, for the last few fights I've seen him in, he's been a bit unpredictable. He's looked good at times and then in other fights, he's he's probably looked like he's it, you know, a bit of an ageing fighter, really, not as quick. And you're not going to be as quick as you were 10 years ago. But, yeah, like I said, this this fight probably should have took place around 2012, 2011, 2012. So that's, that's 10 years have, have passed there and both fighters have gone different ways. And, you know, they, they've both done terrific things, haven't they? I mean, Khan, you know, he's been in some great fights. He's never shirked anybody. You look at his record and he, he's fought, you know, the best of the best. Um, in what is a terrific division as well. So he's had some good wins. He's had a few defeats that he'd probably be disappointed in. Uh, Kel Brook, the same. He, he's He's been in some tremendous fights. I mean, you look at the, the Gennady Golovkin defeat, he showed an awful lot of heart in that as well. So these two fighters have been in with the, with the best of the best. Uh, and you don't think you can ever deny them that. So now that they're meeting each other, there's a score to settle there between the two of them. And, and yeah, it's good to see it's happened because we've seen it before where we've, we've sort of said fighters... I mean, I know I've said this one should have happened 10 years ago, but there's, there's been fights where fighters have never met where they should have done, where we've wanted people to, to meet each other. And for one reason or another, the promoters have gone this way, they've gone that way, and it's never happened. And then sort of 10 years after the career, saying, oh, I wish you'd have fought him. So at least this fight is going to happen, and, and this is going to be another belt. What I said before, sold out within minutes at the, at the arena. You know, Manchester against Sheffield, it's going to be a right firecracker of a night. Yeah, looking at Ami Khan's record, Paul, 39 
fights in total, 34 wins, 21 by knockout, five losses in his career. He's been going a long time. Amir Khan um, won silver in Olympic Games in 2004. Um, as sort of lived the celebrity lifestyle, I think uh, through his career, uh, does that sort of is that an advantage or not uh, coming into this fight? Because obviously he is he the bigger name, and will people recognise him uh, more than as a fight for his opponent? Um, that's that's a good question. That people say he's the the biggest name. I suppose Amir Khan he's slightly bigger just for the. Um, for the, the, the te- television things he's done, I think um, Kell Brook's quite a quite a quiet lad, really, isn't he? But uh, but no, you, you, we we talk about these two, and I said before that that division, that welterweight division that they've been in around for. Uh, well, I mean, I can't made his debut around two thousand and five, didn't he? I think so. That's a long time now, and um, yeah, he's he's fought that that division at world level. It's probably one of the best divisions. You, you, some of the fighters you've got in there are the elite fighters, the guys that you say are pound for pound the best. I mean, the two, the last two blokes he's lost to, Saul Alvarez and uh, you know Terence Crawford, they're, they're two of the best fighters of all time. So you can never say, I mean, he kind of ducked anybody. People can criticise him and say, oh, he's got this, he's got a bit of a glass chin and that. But you know, he's he's took some some you know some pounding. In, in that division, in, in some of his defeats and some of his victories have been absolute wars. So, you know, at 35 years of age, he's probably coming towards the the end of his career now. And uh, but this is going to be a terrific fight. Kell Brook's another one. You know, he's had almost you know 40 odd fights, and he's he's another one. If you look down his record, he's lost to Errol Spence Jr., Gennady Golovkin, Terence Crawford. Those three that he has lost to, again, three of the best fighters in the world. So. This this is a big big fight. It's just a shame it didn't happen then, but it's happening now, and I I don't think it'll let let you down this fight. I think both fighters will be training the house down for this because there's so much pride on the line, and um, and yeah, they, I can't wait to see this one unfold and which way it'll go. Kel Kel Brook for me is probably not quite as quick as Amir Khan. Amir Khan's hand speed has always been very very fast. Uh, I think at 35, it's, he's still very very quick, but Kel Brook can bang. Kel Brook can move. He's tough, Kell Brook, as well. So I don't think this one's going to end in a couple of rounds. I think this one's going to be a battle that's going to go the distance, I think. Yeah, looking at Kell Brook's uh, record, last six fights, Paul, won three, lost three. Um, and like you said, he's, he's coming towards he coming coming towards the end of his career, really. Um, is this is this the kind of the, the, the hill, do you think? Does, does, he, does, he, does he finally go over the edge on this fight? Possibly. I think whoever loses this fight, it could be the end, uh, really. As you said there, he's, he's lost three out of his last six. But you know, the guys he lost to, as I mentioned before, Golovkin, Spence Jr. and, and Terence Crawford are all bobbing world champions, haven't they? And, and good world champions, very, very good world champions as well. You're probably talking about Hall of Fame fighters there. So, so yeah, it's been tough. I mean, Kell Brook, for a long time in his career, was undefeated, wasn't he, until he went up to that next level. I think in boxing sometimes, particularly welterweight, you've got the, the, the world stage, where you challenge for world titles, and I think you've got an elite stage as well that's just slightly above that. You know, with the likes of you know Terence Crawford, they're in, um, and Golovkin in his day. I mean, he looked unbeatable at times when he was at his peak. So, uh, so yeah, this, this should be a great fight, and I think yeah, the the loser of this one, you know, 35, 36 years of age, you're probably looking at, at retirement really because you you've done everything. So, um, so yeah, but it'll be interesting to see how it unfolds. It'll be fascinating to see how it unfolds. Yeah, there's quite a few huge fights that could be made in 2022. Who would you like to see be matched up? Oh, I think everybody wants to see Tyson Fury fight Anthony Joshua, don't they? <laughs> yeah. We don't want that one to get away. No. Um, there's, there's quite a few, to be honest. I think Kiko Martinez against Kid Galahad. That was a tremendous fight last year. 
you know, Kiko Martinez, the, the, the Spaniard, you know, won that fight and surprised and shocked everybody. So I think a lot of people would like to see that number two of that. Josh Warrington against Kid Galarad, number two. Would you see Alexander Usyk face Anthony Joshua again for a rematch? I think that'd be a tremendous fight. Tyson Fury against Dylan White. If he doesn't fight, you've got sort of White, Usyk, Fury, Joshua. You've got four big and Wilder if he wants it as well. There's five I've reamed off there. You could have them all in a big tournament, couldn't you? Like a six-off tournament or something. I think that'd be tremendous. But no, I think I think there's loads of fights to be made. Let's just hope we see them. Yeah, it's going to be fascinating. We're going to be talking all about the Sports Zone uh, this year. Make sure you tune in uh, and we'll give you the breakdown on all the big fights that happened in 2022. So that's all the boxing chat now, Paul. I'm going to talk ice hockey now. Yeah, we certainly are. Manchester Storm, it's, uh, the season's you know picking up ahead of steam now. Rob, can you uh, talk us through what's been happening of late? Yeah, festive period, busy for Manchester Storm. Ice hockey's been COVID hit. A lot of the teams in the uh, division, Paul, aren't in a COVID bubble. So Manchester Storm have had to cancel a few fixtures, move a few fixtures around. Uh, they've still managed to play a few games over the festive period, though. Uh, they played uh, Nottingham away and lost 5-3. Tough game there at Nottingham, but they did uh, get revenge against Nottingham. They won 4-0 at the Storm Shelter a day uh, later, which was exciting uh, for the Manchester Storm fans. They travelled to Cardiff, uh, and lost 5-3 uh, and then brought them back to the Storm Shutter and lost 6-5 in a very close game, uh, Paul. It was all action. Fans were excited. Fantastic atmosphere down there at the uh, the Storm Shelter and the Storm unable to uh, to get the victory there. And then the others had travelled down to Coventry on Sunday and lost 8-3. Disappointing result uh, for Ryan Finney, but... It's a tough, tough ask, ice hockey, especially playing so many games in so so quick time. Uh, they are still fifth in the league, Paul, which is which is good for the Manchester Storm, uh, and they've got a, you know opportunity now to to get a few more wins under the belts uh, and and push for that playoff spot. Can you tell us a bit more what it's like the atmosphere there at Storm Shell? I mean, you've been lucky enough to to go on a number of occasions. I've never actually been myself. What's it like there under the lights? You know, is it Friday nights they play or Saturday nights? They play Saturdays and Sundays usually, Paul. Uh, the atmosphere is really, really good. Really good family atmosphere there. You know, they have loud music playing. Uh, they have mascots. They have like a, an announcer who's on the on the ice, um, you know, talking and, and cracking jokes and doing interviews and things like that. It's really, really good. And I do, I do feel, obviously, the people who might be listening to this show who want to experience uh, the ice hockey, I, I urge you to get down to the Storm Shell in Altrincham to support the Manchester Storm. They've got some good players uh, down there. They've got a great coach in Ryan Finney who is able to mould these players together uh, and 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 put in a, uh, you know great performances week in week out. And the crowd really do get behind them. Uh, there's certain blocks in that in that Storm shelter that make lots of noise. They've got a big drum and, and they make cracking cracking atmosphere. And I really do hope uh, you know the people of Salford you know when they aren't watching the football or watching the rugby or, or doing anything else fancy go down to the uh, the Storm Shuttle in Ultragum uh, and support our local ice hockey team. Does it kick off, Rob? When you see it on the telly, I've seen American <laughs> ice hockey and that. Yeah. It tends to be a lot of punch-ups and, and fisticuffs. You get a lot of that. On the ice, yeah, there's, there's, that's weird because obviously with ice hockey, um, fighting is is just a thing that happens. Um, any 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 particular moment, it can just go off, uh, and the, and 
the way I think the way the rules are are uh, as long as the sticks aren't involved, if both players drop the sticks, they can just keep fighting until one falls over. That's basically the, the the rule. And then when one falls over, referees come in and, and drag them off, and they get put like in a sim bin, maybe. Uh, but it is tough. It, that is that is part and parcel of ice hockey, and I think it's a blend of having these athletic, you know, big ice hockey players gliding around the ice like like um you know so majestically and then next thing you know we're having a ruckus aren't they with a couple a couple of other uh sort of players and, and it's that kind of chalk and cheese uh you know thing that ice ice hockey is and that's what attracts people to it that that beautiful way they glide around the ice but also the physicalness and also the skills as well because obviously they've got to put the ball put the ball put the, put the puck in the uh in the net uh, and there's some skill doing that Paul. it's not it's not an easy job when you're getting chased down by a by an angry ice hockey player that's for sure yeah, certainly. I think the message to the listeners is, if you didn't get a ticket for Brook against Cowan, get yourself <laughs> down to the ice hockey because you'll yeah. see a good boxing match there. Yeah, <laughs> it's, you're right, Paul. It's, it's it is all action. Uh, great, great goals. You know, great atmosphere off the field. Fantastic off the field. Off the off the ice. Uh, fantastic sport on the ice, and it's certainly a, a sport you want to get involved in. Yeah, certainly is. I'll have to try and get down there myself. But sounds fascinating and good luck to the Storm in 2022, mate. Yeah. Uh, fixtures coming up for the Manchester Storm. Uh, Glasgow away on Tuesday. They play Dundee away on Thursday. Uh, and then they've got Belfast on Saturday. Um, I think Dundee and Glasgow are both behind closed doors because of the COVID situation. Um, so Belfast on the Saturday uh, at the Storm Shelter will be a great occasion. Get yourselves down there. Check the Manchester Storm uh, Twitter feed, Facebook to organise how much tickets are available, how much they are, uh, and get yourselves down there and support our local side. So... That's all the uh, ice hockey chat and the uh, boxing chat. And we're going to move on to football now, Paul. Uh, and we'll start uh, with Manchester United. Uh, looking back at their uh, Xmas fixtures, Paul. Bit of a mixed bunch. Drew 1-1. 1-1 against uh, Newcastle. Uh, beat Burnley 3-1. Then lost 1-0 to Wolves. So, Ralph Ranrick, uh, you know, won't be too happy with what's uh, what's been dished up there. No, um, when you look at Newcastle, the way they performed it, it's probably a disappointing result. That, and I mean, I saw bits of that game and uh, I listened to some of the pundits afterwards, and particularly the first half, United were terrible, weren't they? I think Newcastle were, were pretty unlucky not to be a few goals up. So, and, and Newcastle are pretty poor, aren't they? As we've seen this weekend in the FA Cup, just gone. So yeah, the Wolves game as well. I, I caught bits of that and listened to a lot of the the stuff that was written in the in the written press. And again, they got a bit of a bagging off, didn't they? So you know, Burnley was it was it was a decent result, but yeah, as you said, it's been a mixed bag, and I think that mixed bag is 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 the lack of consistency. And I think when when Ollie Solskjaer left, that's that's what they thought they was going to get with the, the the new gaffer, but doesn't seem to be working that way at the moment. There's still tales of unrest in the dressing room and things like that. And obviously, that's going to get time to be eradicated. They've got to bring players in and, and chop and change things round. But it's not looking great at the moment for Manchester United. It's 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 a bit up and down, isn't it? And, and slightly unpredictable. You're right, Paul. It is it is unpredictable because obviously, looking at the situation Man United in. Ralph Ranrick, Ralph will call him. Um, he has his own philosophy that he wants to put into this Man United team, and it seems to me that the players either a 
don't fancy it or B, aren't able to provide it. And it's going to be difficult for him because obviously he's only really here till the end of the season. So he's had a limited window on what he can do, especially with all the fixture pile up because United had a bit of a COVID uh, situation early in the festive period. So they missed out games, they missed trading, they couldn't train much. So he's not really had the ability to get with his players and and train and and show them what he wants. So, you know, the pressure is building on him, but is it building on the players more? Um, Yeah, I think probably more on the players because, as you said before, Ralph's not going to be around for the foreseeable future at at the management level anyway, you know, being being a manager. So he's not really got much pressure on him because he's not going to be facing the sack, is he? So... I think the pressure's on the players because you've got players there who are, who are big names. A few big, I'm not going to name them, but there's a few big names at Manchester United there you would expect to be, you know, be doing a lot better than, than what they are. And you hear these stories about unrest and the changes and players not putting effort in and things like that. And I find that a disgrace sometimes, Rob, where you've got, you know, supporters paying good money to go and watch your, your team and you've got players who aren't putting it in or they, they're not interested or they're causing unrest in the dressing room and problems like that. And it's, it's, it's a joke, because you think of that club, Manchester United. I mean, I'm not really a Manchester United supporter, but I've sat back and admired them over the years and watched them win trophies. And you think the people who've worn that shirt and worn it with pride and, and the teams that Manchester United have had. Some of those players who, who, who are long, who've retired now and are no longer playing must look at that now and think, blimey, that's totally changed from, from what it used to be when I was there. So and, and for the worse, really, as well. I mean, without you know being too dramatic... The way they are at the moment, there's some predictability. They're a bit like what Manchester City used to be like, you know, sort of 20 years ago. They were dead unpredictable, weren't they? And Manchester United have not gone completely down that road yet. You know, they're not you know, that bad. But, you know, these things happen, don't they, sometimes? So I think they're, they're on a bit of a downward spiral at the moment. And they need to get themselves out of that because what they don't want is to start ending up finishing sort of in the lower half of the table every season because then you do become mediocre, don't you? So I think, I think there's, a, there's a chance of that happening if they don't turn the corner sooner rather than later. Yeah, this Man United team, Paul, reminds me of the sort of Ron Atkinson years, early Ferguson years, where they'd be able to beat the top sides like Liverpool, Arsenal, uh, but then fell apart when they played like Queen's Park Rangers or Coventry or Norwich. They couldn't win them games and that's why they couldn't win the league until Ferguson came along They managed to build a team up. And that this team, this squad, reminds me of that a lot. And it's a, it's a concern um, that it takes a while to build, a, build a, a, a team and a club. And does Man United have the time to create that again? Uh, because obviously with football now, it's a results-based industry. And can Man United have three and four seasons of, let's say, mediocrity, which is like 10th, 9th, 11th, um, for a few seasons before the wheels fall off? I don't think they can. I think it's going to be a bit of a concern for the board um, and Ralph, because obviously he is he's going to be part of the football uh, department. He's going to be overseeing what the new manager comes in, if there is a new manager that comes in. So he needs to be able to shape that uh, going forward. So it'll be fascinating to see uh, what happens there, Paul. Um, we're talking about players and, and people coming in and out. Uh, Paul Pogba, uh, he's injured for, for four more weeks. Paul, uh, he's not played for Manchester United for about two or three months at the moment. So it is a bit of a long-term injury for him. He's negotiating a contract to stay at Old Trafford at the moment. Um, would you want him to stay at Old Trafford for, for, for what he provides, um, you know, regarding marketing, 
you know, an off the field exposure? Um, that's a very, very good question. I think when you look at Manchester United, I'm not being rude here when I say this, but they get 70 odd thousand a week. I think you get 70 odd thousand people to watch the grass court at Old Trafford. I really do. <laughs> I don't think it matters how sort of bad they are. This is, I'm trying not to be disrespectful. I think they've got such a worldwide following now. I don't think they, they could probably get relegated twice and people are still going watching because of the institution that they are. Mm. So flip that on the other side. Paul Pogba, what does he bring to the club on the pitch? And you probably don't get the best out of him. So why have somebody like him on the wages that he's on where you're not getting the best? Yeah, you might do something, you know, of a, of a cameo in a game, but do you get 90 minutes of quality football out of him week in, week out? You probably don't. And when you were talking before about, you know, the Alex Ferg, the early years of Alex Ferguson, when they did start winning winning matches, you mentioned, that, you know, they, they beat the top sides, you know, under under the early Ferguson years then lose to lots of QPR but that Ferguson side never used to lose to them sort of bottom sides they hardly used to lose a game did they mm. they were that consistent you know beating teams you know they might have only beaten 1-0 but teams found Manchester United so hard to beat and I think a lot of that was because of the, the leadership that they had in the team you know you had guys like Roy Keane Steve Bruce and there people like that who would run through a brick wall for you and they really would the toughness that that side had they, was a, they were a tough side back then in the 90s and that's what I think Manchester United are lacking at the moment. That toughness, those those leaders, those players on the pitch that if you're having a bad game, they'll rollock you until you're having a bad game and you know and, and pull you along and, and, and pull you along with them. And I think that's what they're lacking at the moment. Probably a few too many players there that aren't there for the right reasons, shall yeah. we say. I agree with that part. I think when you're obviously looking at leaders, uh, the late Ron Atkinson years to the to the Alex Ferguson years, you had Brian Robson, who was a leader uh, and a legend at Manchester United, and he could have gone. He was the best player in the world uh, for a good sort of eight years at Manchester United, and he could have gone anywhere, but decided to stay at Manchester United to 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 be there to help mould this team. And I, I feel like you said that there's players in that squad who aren't really committed to the cause and and Ralph will weed them out and hopefully be able to sort of replace them with players that are uh, which is all going to help uh, Manchester United going forward because Man City we will come on in a minute talk about uh, their it's their decade they're winning trophies left right and centre and really Manchester United need to be there competing uh, with them um, to 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 be, you know, addressed as, as being the top club in Manchester, which probably aren't. If we regarding trophies, they're probably not at the moment. Uh, last point on Manchester United, Paul uh, Edward Woodward uh, has departed his his role at Manchester United. Eight and a half years, he won three trophies and four managers during his period there. Um, do you think he managed the decline of Manchester United? Well, that's a good question. Um... Yeah, I think, look, it was always going to be difficult, wasn't it, when um, Sir Alex Ferguson stepped down. Um, replacing Alex was, was going to be a, a huge task. And, you know, people can look at it now and say, you know, David Moyes, should we have had a bit more time with him? Because he's gone from strength to strength since he left Manchester United, hasn't he? So, but hindsight's a wonderful thing, Rob, isn't it? So, mm. I think it was always going to be a tough job, that, for anybody. So, I don't think you could single him out and say... You, you cause a demise of the club. I think you've got to look at players. I think there's been players there who've come in, they've been paid an awful lot of money and not giving it back to Manchester United, not giving them value for money and not not sort of earned that money, really. Probably just come in and, and taking it, you know, because of, of, of where they are. And I think, like you said there, if Ralph can weed those players out, 
and um, and, re- and replace them, and the, the new guy who comes in charge replaces them. Things will get better. I think things will get better for Manchester United. They won't be long out of the spotlight. They'll be back. Let's talk about Man City now, Paul. Uh, their festive period, also hit by COVID. They're having a bit of a COVID situation at the moment. They started really well. They beat uh, Newcastle 4-0 away. Then they beat Leicester 6-3 at home. Uh, they won 1-0 against Brentford away. And then they beat Arsenal away 2-1. And then they beat Swindon 4-1 in the Cup. So, uh, Pep Guardiola's men, despite being stricken with COVID, uh, keep them uh, wheels turning, both uh, in the league and in the Cup. Said it for a while now, Rob. They're like a machine Manchester City at the mm. moment. Aren't they? People say that they need to buy a striker and they need to do this, but they seem to score plenty of goals and the goals seem to come from everywhere, don't they? So they, 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 such a, they create so many chances, don't they? And, you know, when they're on song, they, they put you put you away, don't they, like they did against Leicester and the, that resounding win. At, I mean, look at the win at Newcastle. United went there and were absolutely awful. Mm. Manchester City went there and absolutely dismantled them, didn't they? So, yeah, I think, you know, the win against Swindon in the FA Cup, I think that, that was an impressive victory. That You know, they played some some youngsters there who, who came on and looked, looked tremendous and um, that could have been a potential banana skin, that going there. They've been playing quite well in their league, got a full house and, and it didn't seem to bother City one bit and you know, Pep Guardiola seems to have the team playing well. And I think, as I said before, I'm not a huge fan of football. I don't really follow it as much as I used to do. But one thing I do see with Manchester City is, excuse me, they, they seem to play as a team for Pep. There seems to be a, a bit of a, a bit of a culture at, at City where they play, no, I won't say fear, but they know that if they don't play well, Pep Guardiola will will dismant, dis, discard them and he'll bring somebody else. And I don't think you get two chances with Pep Guardiola. I think he's, you know, he comes across on the telly as quite a, quite a nice, you know, guy, a nice, easygoing guy. But you can see on the training ground, if you're not putting in, you're not playing well, he won't, he won't stand for it. You know, he'll, he'll bring somebody else in and, and, re, and replace you just like that. Obviously, the transfer window is open now, Paul. Uh, domestically, Man City uh, have talked about getting a, a top-class centre-forward with Haaland and Kane mentioned. Scoring lots of goals, though, um, with uh, Silva and Sterling uh, and De Bruyne all getting involved. So, did you think City actually need a centre-forward to, to complete the mix? Sometimes you bring somebody in, it can it can sort of upset the apple cart, can't it? I mean, some of our older listeners might remember back years ago when they brought Rodney Marsh in. I think they were the top of the table, weren't they? City, and they brought him in, and he sort of mucked things up, didn't he? Really? So, yeah, perhaps I don't know. I think sometimes if there's somebody there who's available, I think you'd be foolish not to 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 um, to, to go for him. But at the moment, I think City are the team to beat, aren't they? In, in the league, I think it's going to take quite a bit to overhaul them. I know they play Chelsea quite soon, don't they? That's another six-pointer for them, really. But the way they're playing at the moment, I can't see anybody catching them, really. Nobody's as consistent. I mean, if you look at Liverpool, who've been up there the last couple of seasons, haven't they? they've been a bit hit and miss you know, around the festive period. They've, they've lost, I think they lost to Leicester, didn't they? And dropped a couple of other points as well. So they've not been the, the dominant force they have been over, over the last couple of seasons. So you'd have to ask Pep on that one. I think if the right guy comes along, they probably will do. But I think he'd be quite happy either way at the moment, the way they're playing. Yeah, let's look at our other side, Salford City FC. Two games for them over the festive period because of all the, the COVID cancellations. Uh, they beat Stevenage 1-0 at home and then they beat Newport 2-0 away. Uh, two good results uh, for them, up to 12th in the league. 
Yeah, that's right. And they're not that far off the playoffs now, are they? It's a very, very tight league. That I've, I've noticed that recently uh, following one of my old local teams, Rochdale, who are not doing so good at the moment. They've had quite a few games postponed for waterlogged pitches and stuff like that. So it's been that time of year, hasn't it, really, where the Covid's postponed games as well. But Salford, no, get to get two good wins under the belt there. Uh, yeah, they're not a million miles off that, that, that playoff uh, spot now. So uh, they've just got to keep going now and they show a bit of consistency. And that they're starting to do that. They're starting to find the feet now. Tough league, that. Well, League Two is a real tough league. There's some good sides in there, and uh, you know it's always going to take you a bit of time to stabilise. You know, coming up from uh, coming up from non-league, and I think perhaps at times Salford perhaps underestimated it a bit, really, and thought they were going to walk that league. But no, it's it's a tough league, and the, the league after that's even tougher. So at the moment they're doing okay. They've just got to keep carrying on with that now and uh, keep picking up wins. Yeah, Gary Bow, you came in uh, towards the end of last season, Paul, at a bit of a sort of a dodgy time uh, for the club uh, seems to have steadied the ship um, up to 12 now but is is that something that the the Amis fans should think yeah happy for 12 or should they be thinking let's push for a playoff place no, I think I think any support, you know, outside the Premier League, I want to push for a playoff place. You know, it's it's that lottery, isn't it? If you can get in there, you've got a, you've got a chance of getting promoted, haven't you? And you know, to finish in the top six as well would be a good finish. And like I said, they're not a million miles away from that. Now it's just that little bit of consistency. And you know, it tends to be a make or break time of the season now, doesn't it? You've got that big pile up towards Christmas, and then you get into January, you've got the FA Cup and things like that that, that swing into place. And then you've got the running then as you come sort of February, March, you know, into March. So there's plenty of games left there really is and hopefully the weather will start getting better soon as well and the Covid situation clears up a bit and they can they can get a bit of runner consistent because it must be tough for a side like Salford and a lot of the other sides outside the Premier League as well if they've got players isolating and they can't train and things like that so uh, you know Premier League clubs Clubs probably get away with it a bit more because they've got bigger squads, but a team like Solford, you've not got a huge squad, have you? So it can be a test on you. So let's hope they can get a bit of consistency now and uh, yeah, get into those playoffs because uh, that'd be exciting. Yeah, it's been the FA Cup uh, this week, Paul. Some fantastic contests, uh, some real upsets. Burnley uh, were defeated at home to Huddersfield 2-1. A lot of people worried uh, about Burnley's form at the moment. Newcastle were toppled uh, at home to Cambridge 1-0. And obviously a lot of money thrown at Newcastle uh, team potentially in the next few weeks. Uh, Won't help the fact that they're they're out of the cup. And there's been a few scares as well. Everton lost 3-2, sorry, beat Hull 3-2 after being uh, 1-0 down at one point. So the Premier League teams are really being sort of tested by the the football league teams. Yeah, they were, and um, it was a result for uh, for Nottingham Forest as well, wasn't it? Beating yeah. Arsenal, and that was a that was a big win for them. And I did hear that Mansfield Town were very very low, unlucky against Middlesbrough. I think they were two 0 down. They got it back to two two, and then conceded a goal in eight, an own goal in the eighth minute of injury time. So that was that was unlucky for them guys. But no, there's been some cracking times as you mentioned there. Cambridge United winning at Newcastle. I don't think anybody predicted that one did they but Newcastle have become a bit of a comedy club haven't they at times they, they, they're struggling aren't they really and you've got to feel sorry for them I think they got 52,000 or something there at the weekend against Cambridge they've got some loyal supporters there who are just craving I wouldn't say craving success they're just craving a bit of stability aren't they so, um, so yeah you've got to feel for them a bit but hopefully they'll have to get a bit of an investment they can uh, start challenging but no there's been some cracking uh, matches over the over the weekend and uh, so uh, some good there's been some good draws I think in the uh, in the next round as well I think Forrest got Leicester that's a bit of a derby in the East Midlands and Manchester City were drawn at home as well weren't they so and and United if uh, they get through so so yeah there's been some been some good draws 
Yeah, Man City will face Fulham at home. Man United, if he managed to beat Aston Villa, uh, will be will play Middlesbrough at home. So there's uh, that'll be two tests for our local sides. Looking forward to this week's fixtures, though, Paul. Manchester United are away at Aston Villa. Uh, Man City are at home to Chelsea, and uh, Salford City FC uh, are at home to Tranmere. Uh, tonight, which is Tuesday, and then they play Bradford away on Saturday. So there's some good fixtures there. Yeah, Tranmere Rovers have had a good season up to now, haven't they? They're playing pretty well, and, and Bradford always seem to get a big attendances, don't they, in that division? So there'll be two tough games for them there. It's funny, Manchester United playing Billy, you tend to get that a lot, don't you? They meet each other in the cup and then mm. play each other in the league the week after, so you never know what to expect there. But you no, know, Villa have had a bit of a, a renaissance since uh, Stephen Gerrard came in, they seem to be playing with a smile on their face again. So they've got two tough fixtures there, and uh, yeah, it should be an exciting week of football. Yeah, Philip Coutinho was signed for Aston Villa as well, which is a, he's a good player. Ex-Liverpool, been playing for Barcelona. Uh, you think he could be the man to ignite uh, Aston Villa after obviously Jack Grealish left last season. They'll be looking for a talisman uh, and he could be the guy. Yeah, he could. He could. Uh, since Steven Gerrard took over, I've, I've caught a few of the, the Villa games and uh, well, they seem to be playing a decent brand of football, don't they? They move the ball well and... You know, uh, they scored a few goals as well. He's playing some exciting stuff. So that's going to be a challenge for Manchester United. But yeah, Coutinho's a good player. You know, he was a good player at Liverpool, wasn't he? And yeah, he, he could be the man to spark it for them. They're playing quite well at the moment. And there seems to be quite a bit of a, a daylight between them and that relegation zone. I think they're, they're more looking up the table than down, aren't they, at the moment? Yeah. And obviously, Man City face Chelsea. Romelu Lukaku um, uh, had, um, has been in the press talking about his love for Inter Milan uh, and it's upset the Chelsea faithful. Uh, he's had to apologise on the telly um, and a pro- probably an opportunity for him to, to play a uh, you know a world-class game and, and score against Man City. Uh, his record when he played for Man United against the top four sides wasn't great, uh, but we'll have to wait and see. Yeah, I, I think City... Uh, I'd go with City on that one, to be honest. I know Chelsea have been playing pretty well of late, haven't they? But I think Manchester City, the way they play at the moment, is going to take something special to beat them. So, uh, so yeah, I'd, I'd, I'd fully back to Pep Guardiola's men to do the business. Yeah, well, that's all our, our football chat. Now, I'm going to talk rugby league now, Paul. Uh, and Salford Red Devils, uh, first friendly of the 2022 season. Uh, they face Swinton Lions on Saturday at the AGA Bell Stadium. Before we go on to that though, Paul, uh, Salford Devils women's team uh, will face Swinton Lions women's team uh, at the AGA Bell as a, as a curtain raiser for the main event. First game for the, the ladies of Salford Red Devils and a, a historic occasion for everyone. Oh yeah, it should be, yeah. And to play Swinton as well, that's going to be... Um... Going to be something, isn't it, for the ladies? You know, it's a historic derby between the two clubs. There's there's no love lost there, is there? But it's a bit of friendly rivalry between the fans as well. I know plenty of Swinton supporters, as you do yourself. So, you know, us being uh, Salford supporters, well, on the radio, we, we like Swinton as well, don't we? So <laughs> we, we, we say that, don't we, with a diplomatic voice. But, uh, but, yeah, I'm looking forward to it. I think it's great that we've got that women's team now. Um, and women of, of Salford and Salford supporters can get involved and I think it's going to be a special occasion I just hope we get a bit of a dry weather on uh, on, on Saturday and we can all enjoy it um, yeah really looking forward to it I'm looking forward to the, you know, seeing the new signings in the men's team as well so it's going to be a good day real good day I just hope supporters can turn up and we get a good crowd and everybody enjoys it 
yeah, it's going to be a fantastic occasion. You can get your tickets down at the AJ Bell Stadium or online. Uh, so get yourselves down there, support support both of our local sides uh, and their ladies' sides as well. And let's get a good crowd down there uh, to start the uh, the year in rugby league. Talking about the other things that are happening in, in the world of, of rugby league in the local area, Paul. Elijah Taylor has been announced as Barry Broncos head coach for the 2022 season. Great move for him. Very good player for us since he's uh, since he came last season, and he'll uh, add a lot of experience to that uh, Barry Broncos uh, coaching setup. Yeah, he will. Good club, Barry Broncos as well. They've got really good links to Salford, haven't they? And uh, I think that's great. I think that's real great news that for Elijah Taylor. It helps build that that bond and that relationship in the community between Barry and, and Salford. And Elijah Taylor's a you know is a really good bloke. I think he was very unlucky last season with, with injuries, wasn't he? And he caught COVID and, and lost a load of weight as well, didn't he? But you know, carried on soldiering on through that and you know the amount of tackles the amount of work that he gets through he's a real workhorse but I think he's a very clever player as well I think if we can use him right this season probably take a bit of pressure off him in defence and let him use his hands a bit more those soft hands that he's got and where he can offload the ball I think he can be a real pivotal player for us this season so uh, yeah really excited for him and uh, yeah that, that's great news that I'm sure he'll be a real asset to very Broncos yeah, sad news is coming to us, Paul, uh, that there has been a, sort of the passing away of a former uh, board member, Don Fiddler. Uh, our thoughts are with uh, friends and family at the time, uh, Paul. Uh, Super Josh was a, a great charity which the club kind of embraced a few years ago. And it's really sad to hear that she passed away. Yeah, very sad news that Robin. She was she was no age, just very very young lady as well. So, yeah, shocking news that really it came through. And uh, yeah, like you said, thoughts and prayers with the, with the family. It's really really sad news. Talking about other news, uh, season tickets are still available for uh, fans who want to watch both uh, Swinton Lions or Salford Red Devils. Uh, it's really important that the people of Salford get behind their local sides to help them grow uh, and grow the league in the area. Yeah, it certainly is. It? I mean, I can probably understand if season ticket sales have been a bit slow because the last couple of seasons it's been a bit up and down whether you've been able to go to the games and that's so perhaps people have sort of thought, well, I'm not sure whether they're going to go because of government laws and things like this. So I'd encourage anybody to get a season ticket, though, Rob. Like you say, it's the lifeblood of the club, that, that money that comes in. And, you know, it's uh, the club, both clubs need it. They really do. So, you know, finances in sport at the moment plays a, a very big part, doesn't it? So, uh, you know, we all want that fairy tale, don't we, of our team doing well. But you need the people and, and the financial backing as well behind you, don't you? So, you know, both sides will, will, will need those... Uh, those season ticket sales, I believe, you know, Swinton's are doing pretty well as a Salford. So, yeah, let's hope, uh, let's hope this friendly sort of ignites it as well because it can be a long time in the close season. We take our eye off it, don't we? And, but uh, yeah, let's hope we all get switched on this weekend. I'm pretty sure if we get an entertaining derby match this weekend, it'll get the juices flowing and people will be ready then for the start of Super League and, of course, uh, Swinton's League One as well. Yeah, the, the supporters trust of both uh, clubs. Fantastic job raising funds for the clubs. Uh, Salford Red Devils uh, Supporters Trust have organised a sponsor a try scheme. Basically, every time Salford score, you can pay 50p or a pound, and the money goes to the reserve slash the pathway, uh, which will help grow the the future careers of of the of the people of Salford who manage that manage to play for the club. 
Let's hope we're scoring plenty of tries then, Rob. You know, <laughs> Ken Seale and like say, Joel Burgess and that on the wings and Reese Williams, I'm, I'm sure we're scoring plenty of tries. So, uh, so yeah, 50p, that, that doesn't sound bad to me. That, But no, it's a great initiative, that. And as you've said before, Swindon Lions uh, have had a support trust for it for a long time as well. They do great things you know, with auctions and things like that, as do, as do Salford. So, you know, people are doing a good job there, aren't they? Volunteering to, to, to keep it going. It's a, it's a, it's a vital cog. In the uh, in the, the life of both clubs, yeah. Talking about partnerships, Paul uh, Swinton Lions have a link up with uh, one of our local amateur sides, Folly Lane, an under 18s partnership to help develop players to come through there. Uh, it's great that obviously Swinton are involved uh, in in the local amateur scene, and it's all going to help grow the sport. Well, yeah. Over the years, an awful lot of. Uh... Players have come through Folly Lane, haven't they? For, for Swinton and, and Salford, we, we could probably read them off, couldn't we? The amount of players that have come through there. So it's been a real feeder club for the for the community and for, for the local area. So, yeah, great club. There's great things in the community. So I, I think that that's great to see. I really think that's fantastic. I mean, those, those local players, you want them to come through to, to your club. You don't want to lose them to other clubs because there's plenty of other clubs around the area, you know, clubs that are probably... I don't like saying bigger than us, but you know, clubs that probably got a bit more financial clout than us, and sometimes they come sniffing round and, and take the talent from under our noses, don't we? So it's nice to see that Swinton have got good link ups there, and uh, you know, local lads from Fulham want to go on and play for their local club. Yeah, they faced West Wales Raiders in the Challenge Cup away. Um, Paul, it's going to be a tough contest for the Lions, that. Yeah, certainly. I think it's a tie that they'll be expected to win. I, don't, I think West Wales have struggled in the last season. They sort of picked up towards the end of the season and got a few results, didn't they? But mostly it was heavy defeats for them, wasn't it? So, uh, so yes, Swinton as well. I, I'm expecting big things. When they've made some good signings. They've had to drop down, of course, with relegation to, to League One. But they're going to be one of the fancied sides in that league. I think it's going to be fascinating. There's going to be some good derby fixtures as well. With, uh, with Rochdale on, it's being down there and Oldham being down there. So, so yeah, it's been a fantastic, fascinating season. But Challenge Cup, you know, the holy grail of rugby league, as I like to call it. And, you know, that this is the, the first rung on the ladder for them. So, it'll be a tri- tricky trip down there to West Wales. It's a bit of a bit of a trek down there. But, no, it'll be tough for them. But I think they'll get the result. Yeah, talking about the season coming up, Paul, uh, the Super League and the, well, the Super League decided uh, that if teams are hit by uh, COVID outbreaks and they can't feel the team, they'll get hit with a 48 nil uh, defeat rather than, uh, you know, being able to rearrange the game. With the World Cup coming on, coming up later in the in the year, uh, spaces for games is at a premium. So do you think that's a good idea for the RFL or, or not? I think it's very harsh. Hmm. Um, I think 48-0 is a bit of a... It's a big score, that, isn't it? Um, yeah. Yeah, I don't know. It's one of them things. I mean, what can you do if if you're hit by COVID? Nobody goes out there and sort of wants to get COVID and sort of breathes all over somebody and passes it on to them. It's just one of those things. It's unlucky or, or whatever. So, well, this is... It's a global pandemic that we're facing, isn't it, really? I think Billy probably could have handled it a bit softlier than what they've done but I can understand in a way we said about the World Cup let's hope that happens this, this year I think it'd be a travesty if it doesn't happen but uh, yeah 48 nil sounds a bit a bit heavy doesn't it if you've not got a massive squad as well you, you, you're struggling there a bit aren't you so let's hope that that Covid clears up a bit and it sort of calms down and we get to see a season where everybody plays the same amount of games we all get through the fixtures I think that'd be nice because last couple of seasons it's been a bit up and down hasn't it and uh, you know, sports haven't been able to go there's been postponed matches here there and everywhere so let's hope we we get a bit of a brighter sort of spring and, and, and summer 
yeah, it's going to be fascinating to see, obviously, with uh, the, with COVID to see what happens. Obviously, uh, with players not being vaccinated, what happens there? Obviously, there's a lot of talk in the uh, in Australia, in the tennis world, about Novak Djokovic's um, sort of vaccination status. Um, will do you think obviously we believe might go down the same way? Will will they come down on players who haven't been vaccinated yet? I don't think you can, Rob. I don't think you can rule people's lives, can you, and tell them what to do. It's up to them, isn't it? It's up to the individuals, isn't it? I mean, without getting all political, I don't know. I wouldn't like to say. I think we've just got to watch this space. I mean, I just hope things calm down and you know, things die out. I don't know whether they will. I'm not a scientist, but it's difficult. It's a difficult situation. If, if somebody doesn't want to do something, what do you do? You can't force people, I suppose, can you? But obviously, you want people to compete in, in the sport. And regarding you know, Novak Djokovic, he's a tremendous tennis player. And if he misses out on something, it just seems a bit of a crying shame, doesn't it? But I don't know. I just hope things start to get better because it's you know people want to see sport and they want to go and enjoy themselves. And let's hope we get a bit of a brighter light you know in 2022 2020 and 2021 have been a bit tough haven't they for people and you know sport should be you know that that beacon in people's lives where they can sort of take themselves away from you know the, the sort of everyday life and, and enjoy themselves for 80 minutes 90 minutes so i'm hoping to see some of that this year yeah, with 90 seconds to go, Paul, uh, England cricket managed to draw in Australia. Uh, they've lost a series yeah, very... uh, 3-0, but yeah. I suppose it's a step in the right direction getting a draw. Yeah, yeah, that's right. They've had some absolute towelings over there, haven't they? I think they could have sent, <laughs> yeah. a, sent a sort of sports zone select over there to do a better job than they've done. <laughs> but, uh, but no, no, a draw a draw's been... I think you've got to hand it to Australia. I think Australia have been, been tremendous. And when they're on fire in Australia, they're very hard to beat. Yeah, they are, Paul, and it's a big sort of a learning curve uh, for England uh, going forward. And obviously, with a minute to go now, Paul, let's just talk about the fixtures. Uh, what team, what fixture are you looking forward to the most in the rugby league season? For Salford? Mm. Eh, probably Huddersfield. Or <laughs> Warrington. Um, I think the Huddersfield game will be interesting with... Uh, with our links with them over the last couple of years, I think that'll be exciting. But no, I think any of the fixtures, any of the, I just hope we have a good season and we can uh, get to Wembley again. I think that'd be great. Yeah, I think it's going to be exciting this season, Paul, uh, with the squad that we've managed to uh, put together um, with Paul Rowley's at the helm. Uh, he'll be looking to uh, to steer the ship up to a, a playoff spot, which is what we all want as a Sulphur Red Devils uh, supporters out there listening to this who want a successful side. Uh, really enjoyed the show uh, this evening, Paul. We've been talking all things sport in Salford, and I really hope you can join us next week for more Salford Sporting Chat, and we'll see you next week on the Sport Zone on Salford City Radio.